with the Southwest Paint Horse Club, we actually doubled our numbers at the Northwest Emerald this year, which is our September show, our very large show of the year. We added Premier Sires this year. Fraternities are a constant conversation for us. There's just not a lot of fraternity horses in our area. People want them, but how do we continue to support them and keep it fresh? So Premier Sires was an option for us this year, and we we jumped on it. And we are actually the only ones on the West Coast to host this year. So I think that is really an honor for us. on the rail at a jog please on the rail at a jog hello everyone we're back with another episode of on the rail podcast so for all those that may wonder what happens up in the pacific northwest this will be for you we have some lovely ladies to talk to us today about their association up there and all the bells and whistles that are happening up there. And it sounds super exciting, but Jenna and I feel like we actually have no idea what goes on up there. And so we wanted to get their input. So without further ado, I'll let the ladies introduce themselves. Just kind of tell us what you do maybe for a living, if it's not horse related, and then how you got your involvement with the horses. I am Crystal Lombardi Keller. I am a director for Washington, Alaska. I have been a board member for WSQHA for about 10 years as a youth advisor, secretary, vice president, and president. And currently, I'm serving the board as executive vice press president and marketing membership chair. I show the all around, and I have been involved in the industry since I was like in the womb. My mom is very active in the Northwest. If you have been around, she's been in, done a million things. So I've done a million things with that. So dressage, over fences, area horses, quarter horse paint, all that stuff. So I think I have a really interesting background because I have seen a lot of the industry in the Northwest itself. You've been in it from the trenches and have done everything, it sounds like. <laughs> Quite literally everything, which I think is a good thing because I'm young in the industry, but I see a lot that has happened and can kind of get a pulse on where we're going and where we've been. Cool. And what about you, Lindsay? My name is Lindsay Kimbrough. I am also a lifelong horse person. I grew up in 4-H and open shows. I've become active with WSQHA several years ago as show secretary for a number of years while I wasn't showing actively. And then now I'm the current treasurer and points keeper with Krista. I've worked with her mom and her since I was 10. And so mm-hmm. we've worked I've literally performed every single job at a horse show from handing out ribbons to back gate to announcing to secretary, you know, you name it. So definitely. And then at a variety of different disciplines and breeds, too. So I do think it has given me a well-rounded expertise to kind of meld all of that, you know, bring to WSQHA. I think we always say that for everybody that shows horses, it would be nice if you could ever work on the production side of the horse shows. That would give you a whole nother perspective. Liz is currently at a horse show right now. So she's recording remotely, but yeah, she's working. I think it's an open show. Yep. Working an open show in, in the entry office. So taking a break oh, from nice. all of the window work for a while. <laughs> yeah. Gives you a different perspective on things. That's for sure. Massively. 
had actually said something about if you, you know, just if you ever have a question, you know, like try to run a show. <laughs> I loved that. <laughs> and yes. maybe some of the things you wouldn't complain about after the fact, <laughs> yes. if you had to go through the other side of it, you would understand. That is a very, very true statement. Yeah. Some of our exhibitors this weekend need to take that note down. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, all righty. Well, diving into what's going on out in the Washington, Oregon kind of area. What are some common misconceptions about the horse show industry in the Pacific Northwest that you guys would like to address with us? I don't know about Lindsay, but like we consistently hear or people assume that we are not as competitive as the rest of the United States. And I think it's super interesting because we have a lot of really competitive people, especially in the horsemanship. Like the amateur horsemanship is loaded with very talented horsemanshippers. So I mean, we've even had a judge tell us before we've picked patterns specifically for your area as in maybe a little simpler. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I definitely think we're definitely under-recognized and, you know, yes. sure. I concur. I don't even know how to take that pattern. I totally agree. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's it's interesting one because we really do like the really technical, difficult things. Because I feel like it's almost doing us a disservice. Because why are you setting the rest of the United States up to be more successful and maybe more technical patterns at bigger shows, and then kind of leaving us out? And the you know, so it's just kind of weird to me. So yes, I agree. So on that note, like, what are some of the unique challenges and opportunities of horse show scene out there? So obviously you're so far away from, you know, the, I don't want to say circuit shows, but maybe world shows and whatnot, which yeah. we might get into a little bit later, but what other kind of like challenges are there with showing out there, but also there has to be opportunities as well. So you guys want to touch on that? Yes. Lindsay, do you want to touch on that a little bit? Like more of like the financial part of it? Location is definitely, you know, a challenge. Demographically is a challenge where, you know, split very west side. We have a mountain range in the middle of our state and one side is definitely more urban. The other is more rural, but yet we're also still really economically strong. So there's a lot of opportunity. There's still a lot of people that have, you know, the means at a variety of levels. I mean, from beginner to world show level to do this industry. So there's a lot of opportunity, you know, weather and a lack of venues. Those are, you know, some of our challenges for sure. Very much so. I think the other thing too, is just show numbers can be a little small. We've definitely noticed the pattern as far as maybe seasonally, if you would call it that of like amateur classes are bigger and then maybe the classes are bigger, whether or not maybe the youth worlds are going on or NSBA. So that's kind of an interesting pattern that we've noticed as far as a challenge to keep it consistent across both of those age categories. And competing with, you know, because we are forced to travel so far for teacher circuits, you know, that wipes out almost three weeks for us to travel be at a show and travel back. And so that's a large window that basically makes people unavailable to even want to go show or be able to show. Yes. That is interesting. And maybe we'll just touch on it now. But as far as going to some of the larger shows, like Lindsay, I know you have been to Vegas and Sun Circuit this year. And then for people that Mm -hmm. go to Oklahoma City or Fort Worth or, you know, those. So the shows themselves are long shows. And then how much travel time do you guys have to allocate on each side? I know, you know, some of the owners, amateurs probably fly back and forth, but for the trainers or anybody that's hauling a horse, I mean, is it like a week, an extra week travel time? 
So for like Sun Circuit, it's three or four days down and back. For the World Show, I think they do it in four if the weather's good. And then they also give themselves a day or two buffer. So yeah, I mean, they're, they're gone a long time. I think for the World Show, they're gone almost like five-ish weeks, give or take. That's cool. Yeah, because she takes amateur and open horses. So they're gone the entire time. So, yeah, it's a good chunk of time. Five weeks. That's crazy. Yeah. It always seems like well, imagine doing that are... and Congress. And Congress. I was like, that yeah. was my next question, but it was like, yeah. it always seems like when people leave the world show and I hear about them going back west, there's always some bad weather somewhere yes. along the way yes. to travel. But yeah, what about situating Congress with all of that? So, do your trainers typically go to Congress, try and lay over somewhere, go right to Oklahoma City if they're doing both. And how much time are they away from home then in the fall? Holy moly. We don't have nearly as many trainers that do both. Usually it's like they'll go and do Congress or they'll go to the world show. Or if I've seen people do both, I think I've usually seen they'll send a horse to Congress, fly home, send a horse to the world show, fly back and forth. I just think that you can't be gone from your program for two and a half months. I mean, you can, but maybe not all at once or if you have more assistance but i just you know yeah i feel i can choose especially between like world show and congress but there's some large circuits now that it kind of helps fill in that other gap very much so yes so i was just thinking on your show production side on the challenges do you guys find it hard to like get judges to come up that way like your show staffing do you guys mostly get volunteers from your board and then hire out the judges or like how hard is it then to staff your shows staffing shows itself like locally isn't as much as a challenge as i think the financial portion of flying judges in and out right now financially it has become really expensive and it was expensive before but it's really become expensive now one thing to touch on that we might do in the future here is one way we try to offset costs is hire like husband wives for example that can share rooms so at least we share a little money or sorry save some money there, but yeah, financially it can be rough. Yeah. And I do think, you know, a decade ago, it was a little bit harder to get judges to come up and then we would have conflicts, you know, with dates for big shows in other parts of the country. You know, that's probably our biggest battle, but we've gotten to, you know, have a pretty, we treat our judges really good. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've got a good reputation now. And so a lot of them actually want to come judge for us too. So there's kind of both sides of that. Oh, good. They are, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like actually even at the No Silver show, one of our gals that actually helps do the hiring already had the list of judges that were interested in coming in the future when they were able to in their rotation. So that's a really good point, Lindsay. Yeah, and so instead of having a list that we want to hire, instead we have a list, of like a wait list of to hire. It's <laughs> kind of how it's... It's a great place to be. Yeah, definitely. I think that speaks volumes to the work you guys do out there, which I know is what we want to touch on today. But I did, when I was doing a little bit of homework for this episode, had kind of looked at a few of your show bills and mm-hmm. whatnot there for like your Washington Quarter Horse Association. And you have very quality judges out there. So obviously you, you. you know, you make a point to get for better. We always appreciate all judges. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to say that we don't, but then there are some that are more current on standards and it looks like you guys do a good job of getting very well-known, well-established, very current judges out there. So I think that is an asset for you guys. And if you have a wait list to be out there to judge, that's cool too. We want right. to set our exhibitors up, you know, to be successful at the bigger shows. And so it is important that they get in front of those, those faces, you know. Sure. 
Alrighty. So we'll kind of dive into your Washington State Quarter Horse Association Club specifically. How do you guys stay fresh and innovative with your ideas and for events and shows just to like every regional club, I think is struggling right now to keep people interested in participating. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is that we don't get into the, we've always done it that way mentality. We're always willing to adapt and change. We're always willing to listen to constructive feedback. What are things that are working, not working? What are awards you want to see? Things like that. So I think that our board is incredibly open, receptive to change and adapting to the current climate of everything. They fully believe in what we have going on, which I think is super important too. And really the feedback too. I think we a lot of times hear the same thing for feedback over and over again. So it becomes a little bit tone deaf. So sometimes reevaluating some of those things to redo those systems and processes or parties to give those people those things they want. So maybe not necessarily innovative, but definitely trying to keep it fresh and being innovative in ways we can going forward throughout the year. I agree. And I think that we're actually always seeking change and trying yes. to you know, kind of almost like we want to change. So it's a good thing. And then I think also being working with AQHA and, you know, having active directors that are kind of in tune with the direction that that is going because they kind of direct a lot of the money and how it all ends up going out. So being, you know, privy to what's going on and where that opportunity is, has worked out well for us, I think. How does like sponsorship support and whatnot work out there for you? Is it very limited? Is it the same people getting hit up for sponsors all the time? But how do you work on that to support your horse shows and your events? Yes and yes to what you asked. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I also think it kind of goes back to like, we really do have a very, very, very strong membership and association. And we're incredibly grateful for everything they support us with. And we wouldn't be where we are or even have an event in June, if we wouldn't have those sponsors on that. So yes, we do see a lot of repeat sponsors, but we're very grateful for them. And we try to give them the most value we can possibly give them for their sponsorship available. And we always try to make it work. Like if we don't have a package that's on our sheet, we have a package sponsor sheet for our performance stuff and our ranch events. And we will, let's make it work. We would love to have you on board. And yeah. I think we've had to be a little more creative with our sponsors. We don't get a lot of like level type sponsors, like you would see it maybe, you know, horse shows and rodeos, you know, it's not the corporate cowboy brands. It's our local grassroots companies, people that are, some are involved in horse shows, some maybe a family member or husband's business, but we definitely live and die by our sponsorships. They are what keep going. And we pay that forward by, you know, using that for really good prizes like, you know, able to give the saddles and all the buckles without our sponsors, we wouldn't be able to pass that on to our exhibitors and reward them, you know, hopefully. So you get a bunch of like non-horse company type sponsors out there. And yeah, is there some usually a family member then that is like showing and that's kind of your gateway into them? Or how have you approached those? Yeah, or like, here's actually a pretty good example. Our current president right now, they are involved in farming in eastern Washington. So they are able to access some of like the farming bureaus. So, you know, farming, ranching, but not necessarily horses. So they have a really good in there. It's a good example. Real estate, you know, we have a lot of kids that show their parents sponsor to do that and things like that. So Mm -hmm. yeah. What about like your collaboration with other breeds, possibly, and associations on some of your horse shows? 
Yeah. So I feel like this is where we're really thriving right now in the last two years. So I'm going to go through a list right now of things that we've added last year and this year. So the Northwest Coordinating Committee, which is a multi-state awards group, they do two of our shows now. The Southwest Washington Paint Horse Club, which is a local regional club. And when we partnered with them last year, they were able to win the APHA President's Gold Star Award this year, which is the highest increase in membership or horses participating in your club events. So it was really exciting for us to do that with them. With the Southwest Paint Horse Club, we actually doubled our numbers at the Northwest Emerald this year, which is our September show, our very large show of the year. We added Premier Sires this year. Fraternities are a constant conversation for us. There's just not a lot of fraternity horses in our area. People want them, but how do we continue to support them and keep it fresh? So Premier Sires was an option for us this year, and we we jumped on it. And we are actually the only ones on the West Coast to host this year. So I think that is really an honor for us. The World Ranch Horse Association, we applied for and received a charter. We're the first one in the area. We did this because we felt like it was important to bring our exhibitors the most bang for their buck for the multiple organizations for some of those ranch horse events. And the last one we partnered with this year is the Pacific Northwest Ranch Horse Association, which is a local grassroots club. And they offer approval for the year-end awards and they get AQHA points. So big variety of partnerships this year and last year. So Premier Sires, Ranch Horses, APHA, those are kind of your main partners. Yes. I know the doubles for sure. The double registered horses are big, but also I think it would be cool if more shows would go towards having AQHA and APHA classes at the same show, just because there's so many trainers, so many barns now that, you know, have horses that do the boat. I think that would help everybody out. So it really did. And that's really why we did that. The September show, literally those exact reasons. And so it's been proven to be beneficial for you guys. So yes, I wish massively. More clubs yeah. would take note. Yeah. And actually, so we did it two years last year. We only had like, I think there were less than 20 indoor stalls left in our barns, which is very unheard of in our area. So it really does. It is worth exploring those strategic partnerships. And what show that you guys are hosting has the Premier Sires classes? The Northwest Emerald Masters, which is in September. And that's kind of your main fraternity show out there. Am I? Exactly. Right yep. Yep. Do you roughly know the numbers that might bring in with adding that on there? If it's the only one on the West Coast, do you think more people from out of state will venture on up? I think that's our hope and goal. And I know that we talked like marketing wise to try to hit some more other states because of that. I know Lindsay knows a little bit more of like the financial part of it. And I think Canada too. I think they're another factor as well. That's a good point. Yeah. Really good point. Hmm. We're lucky enough that we do have a few Canadian trainers, although I think there's more that, you know, could benefit because we actually offer entries at par too. So depending on the exchange rate, we honor that. So that's a a benefit to them. Hmm. Where are your main show facilities at in the state of Washington? Are they more Western? So they're... Very few premier large facilities in Washington State. So Washington State Courthouse Association, although we evaluate locations every year continually, we're actually looking at one or two right now that are smaller. We have one that we do a majority of our business with. And it actually has worked out well for us in the way of our partnership with that fairgrounds has become, yeah, like 
It's really great. I think we're in such a great position because we're able to give feedback and they listen and we're able to have a dialogue with it fairgrounds, which is unique, I think. Definitely not heard of in the Ohio region. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's taken a long time. We've been with them for quite some time. So it's, it wasn't an overnight situation. It's a lot of the same employees. You know, I've been doing it for 10 years, talking to the same people. So it's developing a lot of relationships and creating some of those things, the systems. We have a wide array here because I'm in central Kansas and Kansas, you would think would be very easy to have a lot of great horse facilities, but we don't, we don't even Hmm. have any good one. There's been proposals on the table for several years now in various locations to build something just really hasn't been done or hasn't been executed. Like even some of them that have gotten started, but Liz in Ohio has like a show facility every 30 miles at Seems like there's something going on. And some really good ones. Yeah. Yeah. Good ones. But yeah, yeah, just there's a lack. It's a challenge. Yeah. And then to make them affordable for clubs to even host shows. I think that is, yeah, very, very true. Yes. Yeah. And what about educational opportunities that you guys do up there to kind of get everybody involved or further leadership, membership, your ability to learn, have clinicians in, or what do you guys do? in that realm? I think that's something we're really proud of is the educational part as a affiliate with AQHA. So just this year already, we've had Mary Manili, the Youth Association, hosted her for equestrian coaching for collegiate. Lori Buchos, who is a professional parliamentarian, she is a wealth of information for associations. If you ever get a chance to host her, please do. In the past, we've done a youth summit. We've done clinics, level one and rookie events vet lectures. We really encourage our youth to be involved with the Youth Excellence Seminar with EQHA. We've done some rookie boot camps. We've also done some, I mean, you name it, we've probably done it. What am I forgetting, Lindsay? Well, I I still think the (laughs) the mascots are probably educational. Like probably my favorite. (laughs) Yes. And it kind of touches upon a lot of your other guests too. Somebody had mentioned, you know, that we have to get the children before they get hooked into other sports and things. And so that's usually grade school age. And by then they've already established whatever their lifelong passion or hobby is going to be. And so we got a grant and we actually had like three horse mascots and we went into elementary schools and it was the funnest thing ever getting to pass out that information and kind of see their faces light up. But that was a lot of good outreach. And we use those mascots for a lot of different things. They serve purpose. That's That's cool. So you guys went into non-horse person classrooms and talked about horses or quarter horses or what happened there? Read them a book. And then I think they were able to write the horses. It was, so Lindsay's horse was one, it was Pierre. It was like Pierre, Wilma, and Duke. And those kids could write the horse and that a member would write the kid back from the horse's perspective. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's really cool. I like that. That's kind of fun, fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. It just stopped because the grant money ran out. So every year we would come up with a new idea, a new fresh idea for outreach and education. And we won quite a few years in a row. Yeah. Another year we did like a Girl Scout kind of camp. We offered badges through one of our local organizations. That's another one we want to grant for too. So, And when you say grants, is this on behalf of AQHA? Or? Yeah, it was through AQHA. It was a program. It was called the AAA grant, if I remember right. It was a $10,000 grant. They ran it for a few years. You came up with an idea. You wrote the paper. You submitted it. And yeah. So I think we run one 
three years for sure. Mm-hmm. We came the AIM grant at one point. They kind of revamped. There it is, yes. Mm-hmm. There it is, yes. Yeah, but those were all really big. They helped us a lot, I think. Yeah. And again, kind of marketing, totally different. Very much mm-hmm. grassroots and hits those kids in a very personal way. Which we mm-hmm. need. We need a lot more yes. grassroots. Yes, very outreach. much so. And Lindsay, it sounds like you're kind of the guru on the financial stability of things. So address that from your club side. Where have you taken it from? Where have you seen it go? Some of the struggles, the opportunities and everything in between. Yeah. When Krista and I and her mom all got kind of involved again about 15 years ago, the club was running a lot of shows and giving away a lot of awards, but was not getting the sponsors. And our bank account was dwindled away to hardly anything. We didn't know if we were going to have enough money to run a show. It was pretty scary. But luckily, with all these different changes and all these different things, and we got some new people on the board and kind of have just really turned it around. And so we can confidently go into the show season knowing that we have enough money in the bank and we have awards, you know, stocked up for our year. So we know that we're in a good financial position. It takes a lot of money to run a horse show cash flow. You know, you got to be able to pay your judges at the end of the day, you know, everybody expects a check and then you haven't necessarily received all those entries or cashed all those checks. So there's a lot of cash flow that is required to put on a large circuit. And, you know, we are really good about ordering our buckles and ordering our saddles so that they're at the show. We pre-purchase all of that. So that takes a lot of money to do. But the exhibitors appreciate that so much because it's there and they're not just getting, oh, you're going to get a buckle a month or two down the road, you know, or in the mail randomly one day in the spring or something. So that's been huge for us. And that's been just, it takes, you know, a lot of stress off. How have you been able to accomplish that then? I think it goes back to our sponsors. You know, if you're going to give those prizes away, we've got to have the sponsors to do that. So again, we just, we can't thank our sponsors enough. And having a good business model too, you know, like, you know, making sure that your fees are adequate to cover all of the things, you know, so we do try to keep it affordable, not saying that it's not cheap by any means, but we try to keep it so our shows just make, you know, a little bit of money, you know, we're not out trying to make a profit by any means, but just enough to get by to the next one for sure. Yeah. And on the subject of hospitality or just making your shows fun, how do you guys handle that topic? That is one that is a constant conversation we have with our board and exhibitors all the time. So I think one of the biggest things this year that we're really trying to revamp is the hospitality part. I think we've always done it well, but I think we should do it great. So this year we're doing a few new vendors. Like this year we have a cotton candy artist coming. We're trying to do more live music, switch up the party formats a little bit. At the trophy circuit this year, we're going back to a progressive dinner meeting Barnes can sign up to host a stop for a meal kind of deal. So really trying to encourage more of the community feel, not just within their barn, but within the horse show itself. I'm in love with the cotton candy artist. I'm intrigued by this and I'm not a kid. So (laughs) I'm excited. Yeah, that sounds fun and different. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Hmm. Actually, could you touch on you said stop for a meal is that what you said how does what yeah. is that exactly progressive dinner so if you go on to our facebook page for anybody listening in the future every barn gets a chance to host a stop so for example our barn is hosting 
a Chinese salad. The next barn is doing tacos. So everyone will kind of move along within the barn area, but at different barn stops. So encouraging more people to go out and talk to each other versus just kind of hanging out. Because I think we love to socialize, but I think we're really comfortable socializing within our own group because those are our friends. That's what we see all the time. But really, we really need to be socializing with everybody, especially those people that are new, because it's definitely hard to be the new person in a group as well as a large group like this. So the intent is to get more people involved with more of the barns involved too. So they don't have to sponsor an entire party. They can just sponsor a host and be on any budget that they want to. I actually am in love with that idea. Yeah. It's great, right? We've done it before. It's like kind of like what I was talking about earlier, things that we've done in the past that maybe have gotten a little stale. We're like kind of rebringing back. And this came from our educational event we did with Lori Buchholz. We sat down as a round table and talked about what are things that are missing? What are things you want to see more of? And a lot of it was this type of stuff, hospitality, awards, offsetting costs. So the hospitality part, obviously, we could fix pretty quickly. So that's one of the things that we instantly put back on the agenda. So so can you tell us a little bit more? So if like a club or a show is interested in doing one of these progressive dinners, or I'm sure you could adapt it to being desserts or, you know, whatever it may be, beverages gets a little probably dicey for some clubs. So how does it work? So every barn at a horse show picks something, but then a couple of people have to stay at their stalls and run this. And then everybody else kind of can travel around. How does it work? Yes and no for both. Like I picked something for our barn that I knew I could pre-do and leave because like cabbage salad's not going to do anything, right? So my stuff is set up to do that. We have people that are going to do dessert. So they're obviously going to be at the end. So they'll be able to do the first few stops. But I think like some people pre-did theirs. They did like a charcuterie board. So they're just putting a tray out. So kind of a very variety for people and kind of same thing they can pick their how much they want to be involved and how much they want to spend and all of that too yeah that's cool I like that idea yeah my brain is just <laughs> I know that's what I was <laughs> not that I'm on any board but I'm just like how can we get more of this happening at shows that I go to all the time yes I do think like people tend to stay in their circle too much not for a lack of people not wanting to get outside of it. It's just hard to branch out, you know, like it's comfortable to stay in your own circle. Yep. So just to lessen those barriers to make it easier to go talk to new people and, you know, you never know where you might strike up a new relationship somewhere. That's cool. Yes. Yeah. So what advice would you give to someone who is new to the horse show industry or the horse show side of things up in the Pacific Northwest? To join WQHA and be involved. We'd love to have you and be your friend. If somebody wanted to join? Yeah, absolutely. How do they do that? Uh, com. You can join online. And Lindsay, sorry to interrupt you. What did I jump in there about? No, that's okay. And I think, you know, just get out there. Like whether you bring your horse or not, come to a show. If you're interested in going, coming to a show, like, and you're not maybe thinking you're ready, just come ask questions and actually talk to somebody because that would probably be me. I would probably go and not talk to anyone. (laughs) Talk to some, talk to people, you know, we're, I mean, there are so many people out there that are willing to help, especially people that are just starting out and to not be afraid to ask questions. I think that's the biggest, the hardest thing. And I would assume there's probably things somebody could get involved with, even if they're not ready to maybe go show yet or, you know, make that commitment, but there's probably ways they can be involved in the clubs 
without having to jump in the deep end. We can find you a job too. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. There's always something to do, something that needs help. Always. Yeah. Do you feel like your location has an impact on just kind of the horse market in general? How does it impact just buying or selling horses for like youth and amateurs? How do you guys navigate that whole side of things? I think it's a challenge and it's unique in its own way. And I, Lindsay can touch on this too. I think one thing that's a challenge about it is flying to Seattle is not like flying to Texas or Florida where you can go and try a ton of horses or see a bunch of yearlings in the field. We just don't have the farms like that. So on one hand, it's a challenge on that. On the other hand, the market can be kind of unique. So you can get a deal because some of those horses are on the market for a little bit longer. I call it bargain bin shopping. My last few have been bargain bin shopping because I have a smaller budget to spend. So for me, it works out better, but for others, it doesn't work out nearly as well. So have you bought your horses, your last few horses from up in that region or have you brought them in? So my last few, one was born in the state. The other was bought through like an auction and then I bought it within the state. So kind of a mixed bag there. I think buying horses, like Krista kind of said, I think sometimes you can find some kind of unique opportunities and then without having to obviously pay to haul, have a horse hauled across the country and then for flying, but definitely if you're live local, right. But yeah, for, you know, like that, that's only for us living here, but for selling them, I do think that a lot of the times the horses that get sold, they end up going to a big circuit. You know, we take our horses to big circuits to try to sell them. So that's usually where our horses are marketed. We don't really market them locally. And then obviously buying horses, you know, like Krista said, you know, we we tend to fly places to look at horses, you know, or maybe if we haven't found anything at home. So yeah, it's, it's harder for sure. Where do you guys like to go outside of your own unique area there? But what are your kind of like favorite shows or states or, you know, to go to that you, if you want to get your horses seen or really want to test yourself or I'm sure the competition is better than what we all imagine in your neck of the woods there. But where do you guys like to go? I would say Sun Circuit is probably my favorite out-of-state show. I just went to my first Sun Circuit, so it was a little overwhelming (laughs) and awesome at the same time. But I can see how that one, I definitely can't wait to go back. You know, that venue is, we were also extremely fortunate with weather. So this year it was like, it was great. So that one's good. Vegas, there's one nice thing about Vegas is that everything's under one roof. So what I loved about that is just being able to ride the elevator down, you know, walk across the hallway and boom, I'm, you know, in the barn. That part about Vegas is great. And it's an easy flight from Seattle. So like convenience wise, that one's probably pretty good. Vegas is very, very, very family friendly. Like my family is very horse oriented in the way of they're supportive. Not everybody shows, but if Vegas is on the agenda, they are signing up as fast as they can to go to that event. (laughs) Probably something for everybody to do there. It's great. They have a bowling alley. They have a movie theater. They have 11 restaurants. They have a Starbucks. Literally, there's no reason. I did not leave that facility for six days. You don't have to. <laughs> I was like, you probably didn't need to, though. It, like, no. everything worked there. Yeah. 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 I mean, while I was there last year, I even had my laundry picked up up front and taken and dropped back off. I mean, you don't have to do anything. It makes me want to leave Ohio and branch out to some of these bigger shows out there over on yeah. the west side. 
mm-hmm. if you're going to do it, definitely do South Point and West World. Yeah. I know Liz, I feel like I'm jealous of her sometimes because there is in Ohio, literally like every weekend we have something. There's not one show every yeah. weekend. There's multiple shows every weekend, depending on your yeah. breed or even your open shows are huge mm-hmm. out there. Sold out this weekend. Almost wow. 400 stalls. Yeah. For an open show? Yep. Wow. Yeah. But I love talking to different like pockets of the country to kind of see what like their culture is like. And, you know, we all can mm-hmm. get new ideas and stuff from people. So, yeah. Talking on that note, like in Ohio, we do have so many shows, but hearing some of your guys' like hospitality things that you do, it's like, why don't we have any of that going on here? Like we have yesterday, Saturday, we did like a root beer float and party like a, yeah, like you could come up and get a root beer float and it was sponsored by the bedding provider here at this facility. So I mean, like people came out, but like you grabbed your root beer float and then you dispersed back to your <laughs> went back to your own stall. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. I mean it was awesome because people came out, but we didn't like coordinate it enough to like have people hang out and talk and get to know each other and like, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing too is like when you have things that are not like just like grab and go when people have to like mill about to make things, that encourages that too a little bit. Hmm. That's a good point. That is a good point. But yeah, so it's always interesting when Jenna and I talk about just my version of horse shows over here and then what she's got going on in Kansas, which isn't a lot, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) a little jab there, but no, No. it is interesting to see how different it is. I guess I've just always known like shows happen almost every weekend here. And it's just like a common thing. I don't know. Yeah, I think that the other thing that's really interesting, like I mentioned earlier, my mom has been in this industry forever. When she did like her Arab shows and the Hunter shows, their party sections are like (laughs) legit. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) like they're so good. I mean, we may not ever be able to duplicate that, and that's okay. But maybe we can make our own version of it, and that's kind of like I think what my end goal is by the end of the year is like continue to kind of strive for some of those things. They do like full-on catered meals, like sit-down catered meals. Like it was yeah. mind-blowing. Like, I mean, I, and I'm like, I, you know, if you've ever like had a wedding in the last 10 years, you know, it's insanely expensive. At yes. least for the food, the catering, yeah. you know. Like, do I, they structure their horse shows then to be done like at a certain part of the day to allow for that? Or how, do, how does They also that? make them more like special events too, though, because like, they like their horses to big and animated and flowy. Like, I'm like, Hey, no, you should be quiet in the corner. Please don't do that. Like they, like theirs is very much a, you know, do they make, do they make it part? So if they have these big catered dinners, is there part of the horse show that is held in conjunction with that? Yeah. Is that how it's done? So it's like an event and a thing. That's cool. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. We have a couple other members too, that have been involved in other breeds like Pasos and things like that. And they've shared some of their party stuff because that group also knows how to throw a party. So I'm just trying to use a few of our members to get a little bit more of some ideas as you can tell. So yeah, if you're listening, you can message me and tell me if you have an awesome party idea. Yeah. Liz asked me, I think on Facebook a couple, I don't know, was it last week or week or two ago about like, what do people like to do? And I'm like, horse show people, anything that involves a party. Literally that, yes. Food and beer, we're there. Yeah. Free prize, double down, yes. Yeah. 
the good news for us, the ranch horse people are, they know how to party and they are super oh. fun. So they bring They're, a whole other layer of fun to our shows. Because <laughs> they last year were, so they made margaritas and they were passing around margaritas bareback on their horses. With like, the tray. the showgrounds. With the tray. Mm, with yeah. the tray. With the tray. Yeah. What? That sounds so <laughs> yeah. fun. It was fun. I'll post a picture for you guys because they're, they're pretty great. Perfect. So ranch is big out in your side of the world too? Ranch is becoming big. We've definitely seen kind of the same pattern as it's like slowly gotten bigger. I would say, so one of the things that we've added the last few years to our events of shows is two ranch event only type shows. And that took us, I think like six years to find dates for that, first of all. So that whole time people were wanting it. We finally got some dates and people are really into it. I think our biggest challenge right now is sponsorship support because it's new and it's smaller in the idea of hasn't been around as much in our area. So that's picking up a little bit more. We just had our first ranch only show last weekend. And our next one's in June. What we tried to do is because of the way that AQHI offers their qualifying events, the four show method, if you will, to offer... Our performance people, you know, their events to get qualified for the world show and our ranch riders events to get qualified for the world show. We want to make sure everyone has a level playing field as well as has things to show. It's really hard to put those ranch events in with our performance classes at the end of the day. If those numbers are good at the performance shows, we don't want to show at midnight in the rain. So giving them their own option and some more events. And they are incredibly grateful and very excited to have that format. And I think the ranch horse format is just taking off in general because that barrier of, of entry that is so, you know, hard for so many people to overcome to get into showing is so much less to get into the ranch. It's so much more laid back and the nobling, you know, that whole thing. But Not it's so just, much pageantry. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I think that more it's, you know, less terrifying for people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which we love. So question I have for, I guess, two questions I have, and I'd like to get both your input on it is what would you say to somebody that had either just not come to a show, but lives out in your area or, you know, like what's the attraction there to get somebody that lives in the area. But then the second follow-up question is, so for people that maybe have quarters, paints, whatever, what, should they know about to maybe drive them to come out there and, you know, make the trip and like, why come show out in the the Northwest? I would say premier facility. The facility really is phenomenal. We try really hard to give really great awards and prizes to give you the most value for your dollar. And a well-run show. We have a professional staff. And so, you know, we have a pretty well-oiled machine, just, you know, whether it's posting draws, patterns, you know, like everything just being organized is user-friendly for the exhibitor too. Yeah. If you want to see one of the ways it's user-friendly, you can go on to www.wsqharesults.com and you'll see how we parse all of the information for horse shows outside of like entry signup. Hmm. So it has score sheets, draws, results, add scratch forms, all of that. So what I've kind of gathered through this conversation with you ladies is unique because it feels like you are very well organized. You're very progressive. You have a lot of unique ideas and, you know, if it's good prizes, good class offerings, good show offerings, but also you seem very friendly to, you know, approach somebody that is, you know, just trying to get started or get established. And I think that's unique because it's like, 
there's places that have one or the other. Like there's, you know, like you may be very grassroots friendly, but then you don't have the professionalism or, you know, it might not be as smoothly ran or have all the opportunities, you know, and vice versa, or you have all that, but then you're not going to be so beginner friendly. So it really sounds like you guys are doing a tremendous job at incorporating both of those. We try really hard with that too. I mean, we do offer a lot of scholarships for those grassroots people, which we haven't touched on. Oh yeah. Yeah. Talk so to really quick because of that. Yeah. So these are all on our website. So WSQHA.com if anybody wants to go and read about them, but I'll go through what we have available. So one of the things that AQHA offers us is a chance to opt to fundraise with the AQHA foundation, which means that we can offer a self-perpetuating scholarship for any youth that's a member of region one in AQHA. So we're in three years, we raised $200,000, which is very unheard of. One, to raise that amount of money that amount of time. Two, there's been a lot of affiliates that have tried to raise that amount of money and haven't never really got to finish it or it took a long time. So we did our first 100000 very quickly, which is a $5,000 scholarship for a youth in Region 1. And then we turned around since we did it so quickly, I thought, why not do it again? So we did the second 100000 We once again have that scholarship show with us and it is still being a fundraiser for the foundation, just slightly different. When we fundraised this way, we did a sit down dinner, but buffet style (laughs) and then auctions. And so we did some trainer auctions and auctions that way. So that's how that one was. And then people just donated straight out for that. So we have two of those $5,000 scholarships through AQHA. Within our affiliate, we have the Pistols and Smoke Let's Go Show, which this is two scholarships that we do for a youth kid that is using a school horse in a school horse like lesson type program. And they have to do a essay that's what horses bring to my life and submit that. And then they, we give them $250 to the show and $250 comes from the people that created the scholarship. So that's awesome for us because it's self-funding on its own way too. Horse Crazy, which was made by Maggie McCready, who is an amateur that has been around for a really long time. We had a couple amateurs in our group that had breast cancer and passed away. So this was really in memory of them. They truly love their horses. So this one is, you can apply if you have an income of under a certain amount of money, over a certain grade, you have to have transportation. But we write a check to a lesson program, preferably a AQHA professional horseman with our club stuff in our area. And we buy them a hat, like a helmet and boots. And they just keep a journal of everything. And then they can actually reapply for that scholarship if it's working out for them. In the past two we last year we offered 10 ranch horse show scholarships. We offered them free stalls and entries and we also got them a AQHA membership. Previous years too we've also done the Washington State High School Equestrian Team. We've offered medal winners, stalls and entries. So we have a lot of ways that we're trying to double down on our grassroots people. We really want to get you guys in here and support all varieties of people that are in the horse industry and not in the horse industry as you can tell. So just so I'm clear on this, when you say like show scholarships, this is like paying for some show expenses for people. Yep. Cause I know this yep, is a exactly. conversation actually, Liz and I had this week about making the barrier of entry easier for some people. And we were you yes. know, talking about this whole, like, you know, what if there was a way, work? yeah. There, what if there's a way mm-hmm. to fund this for not maybe completely fund it, but just make yeah. it easier for people. Offset some of the costs. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And this is one of them. You're already doing that. Yep. So we award $250 from us, $250 from the scholarship sponsor, essentially. And then, I mean, $250 is a lot, but also when we know horse show expenses doesn't go a huge amount either. Mm -hmm. So, 
And how does somebody find out about eligibility requirements or apply for these things? All of those are on our website, wspha.com. And it's under, I think, even a scholarship tab and it'll list all of those things. Okay. Very cool. Again, I'm just like my brain starts, my hamster wheel brain Chugging starts along. going on. Yeah. All this stuff. Yeah. I'm like, Here's the thing. Like, I think you guys probably get the idea. If you guys, if someone comes to us with an idea and, and it truly does benefit the industry and our association or our membership, we're going to try to make it work. Here's an actually a really good example. So our trainer invitational show we do in February, it's a two day, you have to come with a trainer. We take a portion of that and donate it into the professional horseman's crisis funds, which is great. The one issue that we had with it is we would have every once in a while, someone unfortunately would be injured in our affiliate and either they were in the process of becoming a professional horseman with AQHA or were not quite one yet and couldn't access those funds that our affiliate was putting into the pool. So now we have branched off and do our own because why not? We should be supporting our people in our state that are coming to that horse show because their trainers bring in their customers and they should have access to those funds. So trying to adapt to everything as it comes trying to take those ideas and make them come to fruition. All of those things. Really, really cool. That's one thing I do love about this podcast is just the ability to have conversations and share ideas and just like, how do we make the whole horse industry better? Because I think if we raise everybody up, we all get better. You know, the industry as a whole will get I think just having the conversation right now, because I think there was such a stigma for so long, like for a solid few months, Every conversation I was having with the horse person was about numbers and finances and, Mm -hmm. you know, buying and selling horses. And I was like, I mean, we're not going to solve it right now, obviously in the conversation. But what I do think is interesting is that we're having these conversations now, whereas we weren't before, especially outside of our, like our barn comfort zone, right? We're now having a conversation with another amateur and maybe we're talking to a trainer about it. So I think the more conversation we have, the more chance we have to address some of the issues do something about it rather than just having yeah. like the doom and gloom about the numbers yeah. and trends. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So it's amazing. Thank you guys for providing all this good input. Are there any events coming up out there or developments or things that you guys are going to roll out soon that maybe our listeners should be aware of or something to follow yeah. or look towards? I think for us, the biggest thing was the premier sires adding to the rant or sorry, the Emerald show. Our next show is the trophy circuit. We would love to have you if you're in the Northwest, all the info is on the website. As far as our strategic partnerships go, the July show, which is that the star spangled classic? I'm sorry. I'm having, they're getting $10,000 worth of Chrome cash for their July show. Oh, cool. Washington state paint horse classic. It's that show. July. Yes. So that's exciting. Yeah. From the APHA side, yeah, the Chrome Cash thing is a way to earn money if you show a paint horse, you know, kind of in different affiliated events and whatnot. So that's cool. You guys are really doing a great job of like partnering, like we said, with different clubs or associations or affiliates to bring something to the table for everybody. I really feel like with the cost of everything and the lack of facilities, and I think facilities are, they're going to continue to go away. That's just the the nature of the business right now is it's really the way that associations are going to have to go is creating some of those strategic partnerships and Mm -hmm. offsetting costs and resources. Yeah. It's an an attitude of abundance rather than scarcity. And when people can get more bang Mm -hmm. for their buck, you know, it makes sense. Yeah. What do you see as the future of the industry out there? And where do you anticipate it growing or going from here with our economics and everything else being in such a state of flux right now? 
I think just what I just said is, you know, really creating more of those partnerships for organizations and members to get the value out of their dollar from events. I think we're stronger together. You know, I think that's the the main thing. So I think that's going to continue to be important. Yep. Better together. Mm -hmm. And the dialogue that you guys are creating, I think is just fantastic in all of your episodes. You know, it's just been wonderful. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. We appreciate that. We appreciate your time today. Is there anything we haven't touched on yet that you guys want to tell us about or share thoughts, opinions, reactions, anything? I just want to touch on, I really want to thank our association itself, our board, our exhibitors, all of that. You're the reason that Lindsay and I got to be on here today and talk about all the great things we're doing in our area. And to be proud of. I mean, you know, yeah, I'm so proud we're really of lucky. the various people that have stepped up. You know, I think it's hard because a lot of play, it can be, it can tend to be thrown on one person. And there's still maybe some people that tend to do more than others. But by far, you know, we have a strong group of people and we are open to more. So anybody that wants yes. to come join and chip in and have your voices heard, you know, you're welcome to help out and we want to hear you. And like Krista said, we might not be able to do something about it right then, but we plan everything as, you know, planned out like a year ahead, you know, and we're already talking and having those conversations of how to make next year shows better. Another thing that's super great about having these conversations is I think a lot of people are just so quick on social, in the social media world to just, you know, like kind of gripe and moan, but yet they don't want to do anything about it. They kind of just want to play the victim and like be miserable. And it's like, well, that's not helping anybody and it's not helping the industry and we're never getting anywhere with that. So I love the fact that you guys are so open to change and adapting and we all could take a lesson from that. Well, and as a reminder too, you don't have to be a board member to be active with your board. You can be a committee member. So like Lindsay said, you can be active and on board without being on the board. So very low like time for you if you want to contribute. Mm-hmm. You can just provide input and ideas. Exactly. Nothing else. Yes. I mean, ideas are valuable right now. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Even just feedback. And constructive, like, but in a yes. constructive way, you know, like kind of like <laughs> yes. what you're saying, you know, it's like <laughs> want to challenge all the Facebook critics to get a sponsorship each. How about that? That's- yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. I know Liz this weekend is working at a horse show and she's had to deal with some not so happy people in the show office. She's working. It's just, it's an open horse show too, I think. And it's like, we're always saying, yeah. you know, you should have to go sit on the other side of things before you completely want to gripe. Yeah. It's actually kind of interesting that you say that though, because when I was a youth advisor, we had the youth kids run their own youth benefit show. And they, <laughs> the first group I remember going through that when they were done, they pretty much just said the same thing. They were like, we have a whole new appreciation of a lot of this stuff. <laughs> and they made really good money doing it. So they were always appreciative, but sending them through even on a volunteer basis was on two days was interesting. So yes. Yeah. Just it helps to see all sides, have all perspectives, yeah. you get a better Very informed so. opinion on things. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you gals so much for your time today. We appreciate that. And I know we'll be excited to share your ideas and what everything you guys have going on out there Mm -hmm. and how progressive you guys are and forward thinking. That'll be a treat for everybody to listen to and hopefully give some ideas. And then if anybody does want to get in touch with you, either about joining, showing, getting involved with the Washington Quarter Horse Association or potentially brainstorming ideas and whatnot, if you live anywhere in the country, do you have 
Facebook? Do you want to give contact information? That's up to you guys, but you can totally find me on Facebook. I am under Krista, C-R-Y-S-T-A Lombardi, L-O-M-B-A-R-D-I Keller, K-E-L-L-A-R, because it's spelled very uniquely on Facebook and on Instagram. And then I also get the messages on WSQHA. So you can also shoot me a message there. And I'm Lindsay, L-I-N-S-E-Y, Kimbrough, K-I-M-B-R-O-U-G-H. And I also have access to WSQHA and then also our email. So WSQHA at hotmail.com. If you're more comfortable with email, that's good too. So we're happy to answer any questions and hear anything. We really love to. We'd love to hear feedback. Call us, call us. Questions, <laughs> ideas, feedback, brainstorming. So I'm like, how do we do more of this? Yes. We'd love to hear it. Awesome. Thank you, gals. Thank you so much for having us. This was awesome. And your old me would think I was so cool right now. (laughs) (laughs) We love that. We we wish we were cooler than we are. (laughs) Well, we are cooler than 10 year old me. So (laughs) thank you guys. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, that'll be your class. Bring them in and line them up.